Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Um, we're clear here that Paul explains, do not get drunk on wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5.19. And that is a great picture. So, what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit moving in us, moving through us. This is part of the new covenant, what Jesus has established, and it's powerful. And this song that we're reading, I think, just captures that so well. There's two things I want to suggest today, encourage you to do with how, what it means to be a new wineskin and filled with new wine for you and I. Being filled with new wine, I think, is clear. It's the Holy Spirit. To be filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit is the experience that we believe as a church is open to all believers everywhere. And we want to give that opportunity. If you've never felt that sense of being filled with the Holy Spirit, of understanding what that means. We, we can hopefully have a time, maybe a prayer today, when, when we can pray for you, you and you can receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, in a sense, and experience that. And the filling doesn't just happen once, but it recurs again and again and again. We want that relationship with the Holy Spirit to grow and be part of our everyday lives. So I think that's the filling. But the wineskin bit, it's really interesting. It's what does that mean? What does it mean to be a new wineskin? And the hope is that we um, can see change as something that we're prepared to do if we're coming to Christ. If we want to receive the Holy Spirit, there is something about us that needs to change, to follow Christ. That's what a wineskin looks like, by the way, in the olden times. They would explode. Old ones would explode if you put new wine in them. Just couldn't cope. They would, couldn't stretch anymore. And I believe this is about stretching, about changing, about being transformed. And there's two ways I see that, in our mind and in our heart. To be a new wineskin, I think, requires us, as Romans 12 teaches us, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, a view of God's mercy, there it is again, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've come to this scripture so many times, talked about the beginning, and I just recommend again um, Craig Groeschel's, a pastor from America, his teaching on this, um, and it's available on an app, worth a study, worth a listen, Craig Groeschel, Words to Live By, This the power of renewing your mind by what you talk to yourself about. He says, the direction of your life will be largely determined by your strongest thoughts is his proposition that what you're thinking about that's where you're going to go and maybe we need to renew our mind and renew our thoughts because what our mind is telling us might be taking us in the wrong direction if we're thinking bad things are going to happen maybe they are if thinking good things are going to happen 
Maybe they, they are, if we're believing for good things. And so it's a critical battleground in this day and age, the mindset, the battle in the mind. And of course, it's in everyday language, we're used to it, thinking about uh, mental health issues, uh, the, the battle physically we're now seeing is moving to the emotional and spiritual aspects of life and medical science is trying to help and psychologists trying to resolve and understand what's going on there and amazing that Paul 2,000 years ago starts to talk about this and here's my um, those of you listening on tape a, a picture of my dear old uncle and it, it, he's fascinating he's a, uh, the most charming chap you could ever meet um, but he's, uh, he's, he's getting on now, he's 79, he's been battling with kidney issues for 20 odd years uh, on dialysis and transplants and all sorts. In the last year and a half, uh, he's been suffering with an infection and he's been in a, a hospital just getting tireder and iller and just not being able to resolve it. And in the summer there, we got a call when we were on holiday actually, um, saying that the hospital has found or offered the only solution to deal with this infection. Um, sorry, it's a bit, can be a bit, uh, depends how you squeamish, but if you'll notice there, there's something missing. He had to have his leg amputated below the knee as the only way that this infection could be dealt with. So a big decision, big, big thing. At 79, you think, I was coming home to be arranging a funeral rather than seeing, but we visited him not long afterwards. I have never seen him look so good, except for his one leg. <laughs> Few days after the operation, tremendous recovery. The infection that had been obviously running through his system, gone completely, looking better than I've ever seen, full of energy, full of enthusiasm, ready for the next challenge, ready to sort everything out so that he can get his new prosthetics fitted, he can live uh, in his own home and that's his plan and balance and uh, what he told me though and this is the point of the story was absolutely fascinating and I asked him of course as you do when you arrive how are you feeling how's the pain how are you not screaming in agony uh, and obviously he did have a lot of pain medication but he said I'm still getting stuff and uh, he said I used, to, <laughs> he says, I used to have this sore recurring pain in my foot and it's still there the pain is still there. I'm still dealing with it. It's, and I know you've heard stories like this, that that's what happens. You get this symptom, psychosomatic pain or something like that. And then he said, I've also got this itch. And then I try an itch and it's like, oh, nothing to itch. <laughs> and it was his nurse that told him, apparently, says, yeah, here's what you need to do, Donald. Get a mirror and put it there and show your mind, your brain, that your leg is no longer there and it doesn't need to have these feelings and pain and itch again. And do that regularly. Train your mind to the new reality. Train your mind to what the truth of the situation is because it's so used to doing the old things, the old ways, and always dealing with that pain and that itch and that thing, and it assumes there's a leg there, so it's doing no, I don't know how it works. There is science behind this. But this was a normal medical advice. Train your mind to see the truth. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And here we see it. How much more 
that we need to train our mind spiritually to understand the new creation that we are, the new promises of God, to understand the truth that Jesus is risen from the dead. We need to declare it and renew it and believe it every single day because it just doesn't feel that that is possible, that that can be true, that the world is like that. We've been informed from day one, quite possibly, if you're anything like the background I've had, that there may be a God out there, there may not, nobody knows. And in the education systems, there's a lot of um, emphasis put on the natural, on the science, and all that stuff, which is great. But there's so much doubt put around who God is and if he's real and what he's true. And that's what we're used to believing. And we just have to renew our mind. And... I have been working on this since the beginning of the year based on Craig Rochelle's good advice about how you do that. Here's my advice for the day, my good tip for the day. Let's see where we are. What Craig Rochelle suggests, you need to speak to yourself on the promises of God. Jimmy mentioned this, and we talk about this a lot. Jimmy suggested recently, take a promise pill every day. Pop a promise pill. And I, I, it's the same thinking. Renew your mind with the promises of God, the truth of God, what's in Scripture. And I've been, since the beginning of the year, because this does not, it seems quite easy, but it's actually I'm finding really hard, is to remember some of the truths of God every day. And I've got so far, and these are the four verses that I feel God has been speaking to me about recently and remind me about my identity and my purpose and what I need to do, and this is daily, 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 I'm thinking, right, who am I, what am I about, what do I need to do, is God anywhere near in my life, and I have to, I w that's generally how I wake up and think, there's stuff to do, this, so this is just your daily life, this is just getting through the day, this is just dealing with your relationship, this is not something, something super spiritual at all, this is just, what do you need to do to get through today, because it's a battle, as we've been because it's a fight, because it's a challenge, because out there is life is tough and will hit you with punches and we'll, you're dealing with your um, weaknesses and challenges and all that stuff. And I, I'm seeing how I get on. i am got these 10, four verses, Romans 10. And I try and remember this. That if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead, you will be saved, Alan. Believe it. I get saved every day in the car on the way to work just over the Kincarn Bridge. That's about when I go, uh, what was it again? I declare it and I speak to myself. I am saved. And then I remember, and I love this one in John 1, that says, those who do receive him and believe in his name have the right to become children of God. And I remind myself, Alan, you have the right as a child of God because you are born not just of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. My whole and your whole purpose and being is not just limited to your earthly physical existence. What we talked about and sang about was that God, before you were even breathed, knew you. And our our beginning does, did not happen when a couple people decided to get together. 
it happened a long, long time before, and our whole identity is birthed in God Himself. You are not limited to who you are physically, to your genetics, to your background, to your upbringing, to your parents, to what has gone before. As new wine, in new wineskins, you have a new everything. <laughs> can't think of the right word. It's completely new who we can realize that this is who we really are. We are children of God. And then I think, okay, that's my identity. What on earth am I doing going to work today? What's happening? I've got meetings. I've got stuff. I've got uh, people to deal with. And it's like, oh, Lord, is this what I'm meant to be doing? And I mind that I am created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for me to do. And I tell myself, that's what I'm doing today. I don't know what they are, but they're prepared in advance. And it could be just, and it is just, getting to work, putting in a shift, coming home, and trying to be nice to Sally when I get in, which isn't hard. And, 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 I, and I think, right, and I declare, and I tell myself, because I doubt this, I have can lack confidence in this, that I'm anywhere near the will of God for my life, that I am in the midst of the purposes that he has created for me. I'm sure many of you can identify with that sense of doubt because that is what the enemy is trying to tell you, what your mind is trying to tell you all the time. It says, you, you, you have not been following God's will. You, you, you always get it wrong. You've always blown it. How, how can you really trust that you're where you're meant to be? right here, right now, and look, look at who you are and what you are, and the enemy is always banging on your head, and I feel that, it's like, well, should I be doing this, should it be something else, and always that argument about, how oh, am I doing that, I'm declaring daily that no, I am in the fullness of God's will for my life right now, today, doing this, here and now, because Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith, and I trust him, and that's what he's promised. And he works all things together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. So I'm just trusting, I'm believing that if I am in the wrong place, God, get me in the right place because that's what you do. And he has got me in the right place because I'm never in the wrong place because God is always with me and I declare these promises. So I rejoice in the Lord every day. I say it again to myself, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. Because he is near. He is near, Miriam. He is near. He is near. He is near. He is near. He is in our face and in our eyes. He is up close. And don't ever tell you that God is far from you. Even though you feel it in your mind. And the mind is telling you he is a long way from you. The truth is he is near. So I will be anxious for nothing. I will be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and petition, present my requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind. In Jesus' name. Started at the Carden Bridge, got over it, and I'm feeling better already about the day. I'm telling myself this. I'm declaring it. I'm believing it. And find your daily declarations. Find the promises that God is speaking to you about. Speak them to your spirit. Speak them to your heart. Speak them to your mind.
and see what God does. Because he is faithful. Is that okay? Renew your mind. Renew your heart. It's not just your mind, but your heart. For God wants to extend your wineskins and make way for what he wants to do. Paul got this, and he writes in Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in, get this, in your inner being, in your inner being. I don't know what that means, but I think it's heart, it's your spirit, it's your internal conversations, it's where the essence of you is. That is where the Holy Spirit is moving. When you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you partner with him and you ask him to move, you ask him to dwell in your spirit, in that invisible place, in that intangible place. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So it's not just what is seen, but what is unseen. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that the love surpasses knowledge that you may fill to the measure of all God's fullness. We do not know how good God's love is and we're constantly being told that he does not care. He does not love. The enemy is on our case. The world is on our case. God is distant. He is separate. He is cruel. How can he let these things think? happen to good people? How can suffering happen? How can bad things happen to good people? That argument all the time, constantly being played out in our heads, and we can't answer them sometimes, but we have, so we have to argue. We have to declare by faith that I believe that God is good, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but God is good. I'm declaring it. I'm telling myself this is the truth, because that that is what Scripture says, and that is Paul's biggest prayer, that if you can only understand how much God loves you to the very depths of your core and your being, there is your new wineskin that he will fill and flow. And if our wineskin is old and restricted and set by, no, God is like this. I know what God is like, and he's not good. He's scary. He's terrifying. If he's here at all, why doesn't he do things just a little bit better? How could this happen to me? How could this happen to others? How can this world be in such a terrible place? So the argument is daily, constantly, and we just renew our heart. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to help us change that and to help us move in that. And Paul had, or the writer of Hebrews rather, talked about this um, in pictures. And we have to, I believe, have a better revelation, a growing revelation of who God really, really is. And um, the writer of Hebrews was battling with the same challenge. What is God really like? How, what is this new wineskin like? What is this new wine like? And, and he uses in Hebrews 12 two mountains to contrast what God seemed to be like to the Israelites and what he is like now. And um, it's just so powerful and, and not something we naturally identify with, but I think it does speak to us because the Israelites were used to the understanding that God was terrifying. It was in their history, in their bringing. In Exodus 19, the Moses, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, their heritage, their calling as the chosen people, when they came to God at Mount Sinai, it was a mountain of fire and trembling and the law, and Moses went out in the mountain. You read about it in Exodus 19. It's uh, 
fascinating. And, and, Paul, and the writer of Hebrews says, describes it like this. says, you have not come to that mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word could be spoken by them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches that mountain, it will be stoned to death. The sight was terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. And that often is how we characterize God, that we need to get ourselves right. We need to be better. We need to do our own thing. We need to make ourselves in a right place to meet him because if we meet him and he, and, and he knows and, and we're not right, and my testimony is that I knew I was not right with God, but I, I wasn't sure who he was. And I assume he's, I don't know if you saw it last night, the open tennis with um, Serena Williams. Did anybody see that last night? The final, you saw it, Charlie. Unbelievable. Unbel- honestly, it's terrifying what pressure can do to people. Serena Williams was beaten. I'm sorry if it's a showstopper, but she got into so much trouble with the umpire. Firstly, for getting coaching, and, and uh, then for she complained about that and just got into more trouble and more trouble and more trouble, and it, it, it was just going out of control. It was the whole crowd were baying at the umpire. It was terrifying, really, to be in that, I, I imagine, environment. She was completely losing the plot, completely losing the plot. And the more she lost the plot, the worse it got because she was getting the law. The umpire was giving her the law to the letter. You did that, therefore this is happening. You lost the point. You did that, you've now done this because you've uh, broken your racket because you're so angry. There's another foul. And now you're speaking to me and calling me a thief. You're losing a match. You're losing a a game. She lost a whole game at 5-4 down. Gave a game away. And she was getting the law. And what she was crying out for was mercy. Was mercy. Can't you see? Can't you understand? Can't you get it? And all she got was the law. All she got was the law. She got not what she needed, but what she wanted. And it's like that for us as well. We think God is just going to give us the law. But what he's offering is mercy. He does understand what it's like. He does know. And he has come. And that's his promise to us, that mercy is coming. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than Abel. That's the mountain that we're coming to. That's the mountain of joy, of celebration, of eternal life, of hope. And if you can picture it, maybe just get that song ready to play. Um, Rana, thank you. I saw this the night we had warrior worship just in my head, and I wanted to try and share it. And I'd, you know, renewing your heart, renewing your mind is what I believe God wants us to do to become new wineskins so we can receive the fullness of all that God has. I read a quote somewhere, as Christians, we can't live the way we always have and expect to be able to carry a fresh anointing, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. As a church, there's a message to us here. If we want to be part of what God is doing today, be a new wineskin. Be ready to be filled with new wine again and again and again. 
God wants to stretch us. God wants to stretch us as church and as individuals. Filled, though, with the knowledge that it's mercy. And if that song's ready to play, maybe just quietly at first, I just would encourage you, find your daily declaration. Speak to your mind. Find a fresh revelation of who God really is. Are you, can you identify with the difficult God, the distant God, the tough God, the hard God? Or are you ready to believe that God is merciful? And the Israelites saw Moses coming down that mountain of fire with the law to try and help them. be restored to God, to be his people. The goal was the same. And he came down with a law. And it killed him. It just made it harder because he suddenly knew how much they fell short. So it is with us. The law kills us. But imagine in your mind even now, meditate, renew your heart believe the scriptures as we speak to the mind we want to get that what's in our mind now into our heart now because that's where our real inner being is imagine that mountain imagine those things which one are you looking at and as I was praying in the warrior worship night I was seeing the mountain of joy and imagining the whole gospel passing before me quickly that I was moving from that fire and I was remembering the psalmist declaring, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Only he that has clean hands and a pure heart. And I thought, I can't go up that fiery mountain for I will die. I'm staying here. I'm keeping my distance. And I turned to the mountain of joy. And I didn't see Moses coming down, but I imagined coming out of the clouds and the light was Jesus himself and this is what he did he came down from the mountain he came down Jesus came down the mountain of God to reach us and to meet with us and he comes to those watching and he chases you down and he will find you wherever you are he will not stop like we've been saying today he will not stop until he embraces you and says you are mine you are my child and I've come down the mountain for you God is here you don't need to climb the mountain of God because God has climbed down it to find you to reach you he's reaching you now even now as we're singing this song allow this belief this confidence renew your mind reject every argument that says God is not good and does not love me it's not true he went to the cross to find you, he came down and he even said to his disciples, listen it's better I know it's great being close to you and hugging you, but I need to go I need to go because there's something even better and that's the promise we're in right now the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh, this new wine is available for all flesh, men and women, as Joel predicts, the Holy Spirit is coming to fill us and fill us and fill us and it's even better because God will come and dwell in our hearts by faith boom God is living with us he's that near let's just bring the band back up
Could we just move into this? Turn that song up. He fulfilled the law for us. your prayer Make me whatever like Ruth did. 